will live in Montana and I will marry a round American woman and raise rabbits and she will cook them for me and I will have a pickup truck, maybe even a recreational vehicle and drive from state to state. Oh, you've been reading my diary. <laughs> that's my high school diary, Drew. What? You even uh, got my Scottish accent right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, that was, that was Sam Neill, actually. Oh, I was yeah, okay. Sean Connery, yeah. Okay. Uh, welcome to Shift F1 Podcast, uh, a, mm, a podcast about speedy race cars. That is uh, from the Hunt for Red October in honor of the Russian Grand Prix. And also, apparently, Ted Kravitz, huge fan, yeah. like me, of uh, one of the greatest films of all time. I have to rewatch that movie. It won't probably won't come up on our podcast series where we watch movies and Netflix and stuff uh, for patrons. But, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but I feel like, uh, yeah, that might just have to be one for me. I think I watched it as a kid, but I've not watched it... You know, I feel like every childhood like of that era movie, like especially like sci-fi stuff, I had to re-watch with different eyes. Like... Yeah. RoboCop was a very different movie when I watched. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's not just about." That was rough as a kid. Yeah, and it's like, "Oh, it's like political." It's right. Like, it's like saying things, not just like, "Dude, you see that robot policeman? He just <laughs> murdered that guy." Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. That is Danny O'Dwyer joining me in this same room. Uh, Rob Zachney um, has a real job, <laughs> so <laughs> you cannot be here for uh, this episode. We're also recording this. Uh, a day earlier than we usually do yes but um yeah danny hey you're hey, back i'm here yeah this is all my fault apologies for not being here for the past two weeks uh moving house turns out it doesn't give you access to high-speed internet slash your microphones have to go in boxes and go across the whole country uh but i'm here i live in oakland again after uh uh, you, maybe you can hear it. You can probably see my beaming face. Yeah. Um, it's really good to be here. And yeah, we're in a house and my kid is like, loves it. And we have a little yard and we have all our friends around and it's great. And we have a million boxes to unpack and like these two hour windows when the child is asleep. And then at nighttime, it's like you can't do any loud stuff because it might wake her. Mm-hmm. So it's a. Uh, it's going to be another month or so before I get unpacked. But uh, we're the internet arriving on Friday. So I'm excited to, to be able to do this remotely so I don't have to come into your house and stink it up with my nasty socks <laughs> <laughs> every week. But it's great to be here. Yeah. Welcome back. And uh, welcome back to you, the listener. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you're new to Formula One itself, welcome. we recommend uh, listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge yeah. and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, this year's primer is episode 59, if you'd like to listen to that. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience at patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, every month, we release at least one bonus podcast and bonus video exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, primers for other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 uh, or click the links in the show notes. Uh, do we want to announce what our next uh, podcast thing we is? We definitely should because yeah. I feel like the F we we did a Netflix's Drive to Survive series over the course of three episodes. Yeah. So you can now listen to that whole series if you want to. Um, <laughs> this is a tonal shift. Yeah. Uh, in terms of both, I guess the the sport and also the the tone and the medium it's being presented, the storytelling medium sure. it's in. Yeah. Uh, you pick this right. Uh, yeah, it was a joint decision, me and me and Rob. We decided we needed something light okay. for the next one, so we're going to do Days of Thunder. Days of, so is this Tom Cruise? Yes. And it's it's, in, have you seen Top Gun? It's, oh, so it's, it's Top Gun in a NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's NASCAR. Yeah. I thought it was Indy for some reason. No, no, no. Well, he comes from, he's an IndyCar driver. He's a sophisticate coming into the... 
oh, is he? NASCAR racing. So yeah. Indy is like. So they like have to teach him how to drive NASCAR. You gotta drive. Yeah, drive rough. Yeah. Drive with that yeah. accent. Yeah. Is that the bit? Uh, by the end of the movie, he's talking like this. <laughs> well, you'll. Just I'm at have the to Gobo 400 this yeah. week. <laughs> yep. I'm Tom Cruise. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, apologies. I've been late on the F1 game history backlog. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've. You put all your capture equipment in boxes. I've spent maybe two days trying to capture PlayStation 2 footage, and then the last day was the day that I had to finally put it in a box. <laughs> so I was really annoyed that I never got, actually got it done. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got Days of Thunder, and we'll have uh, uh, two of those coming this month as well. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. Uh, today, however, we will be discussing the Russian Grand Prix. They were rushing around that racetrack. Wow. Danny's back, everyone. <laughs> uh, should we just hop right into it, Danny? Sure. Uh, I know you were you were uh, predisposed for a lot of this race. Did you watch uh, practice or qualifying or anything? No, can I tell you how I've watched any of this? Okay. Is you know the way Xfinity have that like cloud network that you can latch onto? Yes. Do you know how they do that, by the way? No. They like siphon like 5% of everyone's internet that they're selling them. So, like, if you have Xfinity, they are using your router as part of that cloud pocket. They, like, take a little bit of your speed. What? You can go into your router settings and disable Xfinity it. Xfinity runs a botnet? You basically, yeah. So, you can, t- you can take... But if someone was outside and they had outside your house and they had an Xfinity... This is literally what I'm doing. One of my neighbors, I'm, like, leeching off their router a little bit. But that, that's how they do it. So, do you can re- turn it off on, on your router if you do want. Do they really call them routers in Ireland? What do you call them? Routers? Routers, routers yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roots, r- Route 66. <laughs> Roto router is a like a plumber oh really yeah but you say route 66 don't you route 66 yeah, yeah. it's the same thing same yeah, word right <laughs> router yeah we call them routers i i always uh whenever i say i'm on road i always say it differently on route right. on route on route in yeah. route in route america is a, american english is, is a complex beast oh yeah um, but that's how i've been doing is that there's one corner of my house that if i sit there long enough i can let something buffer <laughs> oh, so i watched geez. it on demand uh f1 tv it turns out actually like is pretty good at like just holding a signal and okay. letting you watch it so i let it buffer there for a while and watched it but unfortunately we were uh mid transport when the uh the truck had arrived actually when practice and quality was on so. wow okay. also west coast so this was a 4 a.m. race. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Ricardo spun and broke his rear wing in practice one. Mm. Thankfully, no gearbox damage. Uh, Albon crashed at turn 13, where everyone was having trouble all yeah. weekend uh, in, in first qualifying, uh, which brought out the red flag. Uh, and kind of botched. Vettel uh, bot- got his lap botched by the red flag and also... I forget what happened. Maybe some traffic or something. But, like, it was one of those situations where there was only some many minutes left in q1 right and he only had one chance to set a lap to get through to q2 and thankfully he did same thing as monza almost <laughs> yeah right um q2 mercedes is the only one to go through to q3 on the medium tire everybody right. else is on soft so they're they're going to be starting on the mediums uh and then uh charlotte claire crushed everyone by four tenths to pole position yeah the ferrari pace you can really see the difference in ferrari's like you know upgrading of the engine and mercedes kind of looking towards the future like that gap has been closed fairly quickly actually um you know fourth pole in a row right yeah yes which the last ferrari driver to do that was michael schumacher Schumacher, so vettel hasn't even when charles leclerc was three years old right yeah (laughs) it's bizarre 
Uh, crucially, though, Sebastian Vettel will start directly behind Leclerc on track in third position. Right. Hamilton um, split them. Hamilton split them, and Valtteri Bottas uh, will be starting fourth. A bunch of penalties happened. Um, yeah, because it wasn't for stopping fourth, and then he got a five place. Yeah, so all the the Red Bull affiliated teams, or all I guess all the Honda engines, yeah. um, got a new spec of engine, so they uh, incurred a bunch of penalties there. So that's Albon, Verstappen, Gasly, and Kvyat. And the Robert Kubica uh, also had some power unit element changes also so am i right too. i think i watched because i watched the youtube highlights i did get those uh, on my phone and kvyat actually he lost the power unit during quali or during practice both i think oh, he had two, two was energy. it the same engine or was it i don't know i think i read somewhere that it was two different engines so okay. i should have checked up on that which yeah. is not great so he he got he got even more penalties at his home grand prix and like I also know. well i'm not sure if you guys talked about it last week um but the also one that has like uh, you know he hasn't got great memories on this track yeah. like this is kind of where his his first speaking of torpedoes yeah exactly this is where it happened this is where his Red Bull career came to an end yeah um, yeah so I feel for him there the hunt for Red Bull it was a bad week for another ex-Red Buller as well, but we'll get into that. Carlos Sainz Jr. starts fifth. Then we got Hulkenberg, Norris, Grosjean, and Max Verstappen. Oh, and then Daniel Ricciardo rounding out the top ten. Uh, Sergio Perez in 11th, followed by Giovinazzi, Magnussen, Stroll, Raikkonen in 15th. Then Gasly, Russell, Kubica, uh, Kvyat, and Albon starting from the pit lane. Yes. What did, did what did you make of the? I'm not sure if you caught this, but there was a couple of interesting interviews with Grosjean and Magnussen before the weekend, and they're sort of troubleshooting to figure out what's wrong with the car. Have you seen this? No. So they're basically like you know the way Grosjean was running the uh, Melbourne spec, yeah, and Magnussen was kind of on the newer one, uh-huh. uh, and they were like dancing around which one's which. So what they're basically doing is that they're getting back to the center. Yeah. Both cars are like either implementing or taking off certain elements of the other car. And literally, this is because they still haven't found what element or combination of elements is causing them to lose all that time. And their worry is basically like, we, there's no point in just fixing this now for this year. We need to like figure out what we need to like take on the learnings of what it is for next year's car. Because otherwise, there's like, it's crazy. It's like there's a gremlin in the machine and they just can't find where it is. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting listening. I think the two of them are like exhausted at this at this stage because they're basically test drivers now at this stage. They're just yeah. like, you know, trying to get around using practice as much as possible without incurring penalties to try and change bits of the car and then find out what it is. And then, you know, as we see in early in this race, they lose a lot of data on that pretty quickly on, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you want to take us through that start? Sure. Um, I mean, all eyes on the 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 the, the first two rows being um, uh, Leclerc. Sorry, now we have to, after Drive to Survive, I feel like it's... Uh, so Le- Le- we need to talk about the pronunciation of we do Charles need to talk Leclerc. about it because yeah that's what he says in the documentary does he Charles say that, Leclerc does he say that for English listeners though or is he saying it that's one question yes. and then the other question is do we keep the pronunciation that all of the Sky commentators yes. do to not confuse people totally right or to not like I don't know to make it sound yeah because he said also Charles Leclerc Le- Leclerc I Leclerc. think is what he said yeah right. and so do we also in changing it will we like catch ourselves and say like oh i meant to say this i literally and then, just like, did that <laughs> right and so we're then now we're burning pod yeah on but this is because I, I, I have this i've been reintroducing myself or introducing myself to my neighbors this week mm-hmm. and i swear to god i have to say every time it's like when i order starbucks i have to say danny because oh. if i say danny people think it's donny 
like Donny Osmond and I swear to God Donny, this is yeah Donny yeah because I say a lot Irish accent, accent. Yeah. so like when he said that I was like are you saying this for English speaking people are you saying would this be how you said it in French I mean some some drivers uh, do that I think right. it- Italian drivers will like Americanize their names Man, when I, they do IndyCar stuff I still don't know if it's Ricardo or Ricciardo you know because like you listen to the Ferrari yeah. guys they say Ricciardo yeah they don't say Ricardo and he says Ricardo yeah so we call him Ricardo? That's weird. Anyway. But like, but the commentators have changed in the past. Yeah. We used to call him Vettel. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Which you was, still hear sometimes. Who was the other one? Oh no, Danny, Danny Kvyat. Remember, he was Daniel Kvyat. And then he wanted people to say Danny. Do you remember that? Like three years yes. ago, he like asked everyone to say Danny instead of Daniel. Yeah, so I feel like <laughs> Leclerc, Charles, Chuck... Chuck, just tell us. Just issue a statement. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, Leclerc. I'm going to go with Leclerc for now. Uh, yeah. you, you know, email us if you if you have an uh, objection to that. Um, yeah. So the the big question, I guess, is that uh, I think Russia has the longest uh, uh, piece of straight track until you hit the first corner. The uh, start finish straight is pretty far back down the, or the the, the start line is pretty far. There back is a down. corner, but it's like a kink. Yeah, right? it's kind turn of turn two is really the, turn yeah, the first major breaking point. Yeah, let's okay. Say. Um, so the the big question being um, uh, with the the toe that you get um, off the start finish straight is stronger than at any other point in the race because of I guess the amount of acceleration you're getting. So ratio wise, you can you can catch up on people and the amount uh, of time there is until you have to totally. And there's less of a dirty air problem, I think, as well. Um, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, so uh, they get off the line. There's actually quite a long. Red, the lights were red for quite a long time I feel yeah. like the longest in a while which caught out one Kimi Raikkonen <laughs> who who went for it and stopped I think he drove maybe a foot and a half yeah. stopped and then kept going and I think it was um, maybe Ted Kravitz or somebody one of the commentators said that he was actually probably better off just going at that stage because he's going to incur the penalty anyway do you yeah, remember it was a Maldonado one year <laughs> like Maldonado overtook like two cars by the time the, the, the lights went out one time really he, like, it was the worst jump start I've ever seen <laughs> he made like a massive amount of space though. but um, uh, yeah he jumped it but uh, uh, Leclerc had a had a decent start Hamilton didn't have a great start he he had a bit of a wheel spin coming off the line. And Vettel had a wonderful start and also was in the uh, the toe of Leclerc. So by the time they got down to that first right-hander, um, he made pretty light work of it. And also, you know, I feel like Leclerc is a pretty uh, conscientious teammate at the start of races. He doesn't want to um, get into trouble that way. So he kind of let him pass. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of bizarre um, to me on first viewing because he doesn't, he doesn't defend at all. Yeah. I, he had a very easy way to just cover the inside corner and he stays to the left. Yeah, and I think what we've learned in the next, in like the following laps was that this was part of the strategy, that there was yeah. a very good chance that Vettel was going to, if it wasn't intentional, which I don't think it was, I think it was one of the options that could have happened. And if that happened, then there would be a conversation about the, the um, position being passed back once they had sort of cleared enough of uh, space between them and, and the Mercedeses. But we'll kind of get that into that in the next um, uh, next few minutes. Uh, what else happened? Oh, I guess... Oh, so then what happened was that there was a uh, safety car pretty quickly when Roman Grosjean flew off the track and Ricardo was found limping back to uh, the pit. So right. I guess this was a sort of a, a three-into-two situation where you had Antonio Giovinazzi in the middle... Um, on the outside no no was yeah. it Gio in the middle yeah mm-hmm. and around the outside was Ricardo and then on uh, the inside opposite. and Grosjean yeah was- Grosjean was on the outside Ricardo was in the middle and they just they squeeze 
Yeah. It's, it's kind of what happened in um, Malaysia Singapore with yes, 2017. Between the Ferraris and Verstappen. Verstappen, yeah. Yeah. So Giovinazzi's front tires touch the rears of Grosjean and Ricardo. Yeah. And it's bad news for everyone. Ricardo gets a puncture. He gets a puncture and damages his floor and eventually has to retire on yeah. lap 26. And then Grosjean just noses into the wall and he's out of the race. Yeah, I think he broke his rear right. I think he broke one of the rear suspension yeah. arms doing that as well. Uh, yeah, there's a great shot of Grosjean with his like le- one foot up on the car. He's standing. He's standing in his cockpit with one foot up on the back of the car, just like with his head down. It's like a silhouette of a dejected man. Um, yeah, I feel for him. That was I and mean, the he, team, right? They need all the data they can get. Totally. And he is. In, there's a couple of drivers who are like in down spots again, and we've covered it in Drive to Survive a lot with Grosjean sort of um, when he has his bad little patches. Um, I feel like uh, Pierre Gasly is another one at the moment who's in a bit of a, a tough spot mentally. Uh, but, I, you know, when he was, like, making these errors himself, like in Spain last year, you could kind of be a little bit sympathetic. I was, like, way more sympathetic on this one because there was nothing he could do. He, he couldn't tell. He, yeah. he had enough space. Like, he did nothing wrong, and he just got shunted off the track. And you're like, what are you going to do? Yeah, and, 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 I, and no one was uh, blamed for it. The stewards, I think, just called it a racing incident. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, big shame. Uh, so the safety car came in. I think Kubica immediately <laughs> drove in. And went on hards, uh, mm-hmm. the strategy there, hoping to maybe get to the end. Um, I think it was Rosberg won doing that strategy here, I feel oh, like, really? a couple of years ago. Yeah, oh. he, he had an early safety car. Um, it might have been the year that Vettel and Verst- uh, Kvyat had each other, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, he went into, on, onto hards. And then I feel like it was the, was it a virtual safety car first and then a turn to a safety car? I think it was an immediate a safety, safety car. car. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. But, I guess it didn't come in until lap four. At which stage? That's when it restarted. Uh, in right. lap, lap, yeah, lap three. Or which four. was? Did you see the fastest lap ticker? <laughs> it was really funny to me. No, the fastest lap ticker. I guess it, the safety car happened so fast on the first lap, and they were slow off the line that the fastest lap ticker on the F1 feed, I imagine, is automated. Uh-huh. So when the safety car went in they all were going fast enough with the safety car, faster than the first lap, mm-hmm. and then sped up. So that basically it just went fastest lap, bam, 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 bam. It kept going through the field. Oh, really? Yeah, which I, I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. So every driver had the fastest lap at one stage almost. I think under that safety car, we start to get some messages to Leclerc that kind of illuminate what, why he didn't defend what was happening there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have some quotes here from Matteo Bonato after the race uh, talking about that strategy. Uh, he says, we agreed that the best way was not to give any slipstream to Hamilton first, and mm. therefore Charles would have gotten given the slipstream to Seb. By giving the slipstream to Seb and not defending the position, he would gain an advantage to Seb, which later on in the race, we would give back by swapping the cars. Right. Uh, so that was the deal. Um, which wouldn't have happened if, for instance, Hamilton had a good start and Leclerc was forced to defend on the inside. Then Vettel wouldn't have gotten the toe. Right. So the, I think it was like an option. I think some people after this race were saying like, oh, it's boring because they just slipstream. You know, it's like a shake and bake situation or something. Yeah. But it wasn't that. It, it ended up working out that way, but there were a lot of different ways that the start could have panned out. Yeah, so he gets a radio message that says, um, uh, start performance was the same and we are looking into doing the swap further into the race. Yeah, uh, because the goalpost kept moving a little bit. Yeah, so what happened in um, I may have had my uh, my order of operations here mixed up because that safety car came up pretty immediately. This may have been happening uh, upon the restart. So uh, 
Yeah, let's just get into the restart, I guess. Sure. Magnuson jumps Hulkenberg into ninth. Dude, he had a rocket of a... Great. That first lap before the... Yeah, he, he made up a bunch of places. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool for him. Uh, and, and then these messages start coming into yes. Leclerc. Uh, so he's saying that, uh, yeah, we are looking to do the swap further into the race because Vettel, uh, I think is told to give the position back to Leclerc, uh, and does not do it. And so Leclerc gets a little confused about why this isn't happening. I saw a message on lap six saying Seb will let you buy. And then they went back to Seb on team radio. And it's always hard to tell. What came first, which is a which is a live one, which was from a lap or right. whatever. But then he said, "Let's break away for another two laps." So I think his worry was that I think at this stage Seb was about a second and a half ahead of him. Yeah. You don't want to get like, and he made that up in the space of actually only two laps, right? Because the safety card just come in at the end of the fourth. So it's a lot of advantage to throw away if the Mercedes are right there. So I think Vettel is kind of like, let's just keep going a bit. Until it makes... I mean, that's... Totally. In your head, you're thinking, oh, it's that Sebastian Vettel again. Right. Um, Or you're wondering. You're wondering. Because, like, yes, he he gets way ahead. And so, in his mind, you could think that, like, well, I'm faster. I'm going to stay ahead. I'm not going to do what we talked about and give the place back. Um, But also, you know, if we want to give the place back now, I have to slow down, let him pass, and then I might get pressure under... Or from Hamilton, who's not that far behind Leclerc. Hmm. Um, and so Vettel says stuff, uh, like Leclerc is close enough. Um, he, he says something like, I would have got him anyway without the slipstream. Yeah. He said that. So that was the first in, yeah, bit of, hmm. there's a, there's a little more complexity to this. I think if, uh, it sounds like there was some agreement before the race saying like, we're going to compare your starts and whoever makes the better start. Like if Vettel makes a clearly better start than Leclerc, okay, then he's gonna get he's gonna get the position, right. right? But then I think it was later in the race, the the engineer says something like, "You have, uh, you both made good starts." Oh yeah, Charles' start performance was the same, and we are looking into doing the swap I heard, further into the race. I was so wondering why they said that, that context, was. right? Okay, yeah. and so Leclerc says, "No problems, understood." Um, but then that doesn't happen, right? Vettel yeah. doesn't give the place back. And so uh, Leclerc is a little confused. Uh, he says, you put me behind. Um, I respected it, everything. We'll speak later. But now it's, it's difficult for me to close the gap, obviously. Yeah. To, meaning to Vettel. But he, yeah. He also doesn't want to necessarily be stuck in his dirty air for laps and laps and laps if he doesn't know he's going to get, he'd be able to get past. Right, you know, Vettel can kind of Vettel's in a position where he could sabotage his race a little bit if he wanted to, or, or squeeze him a little bit. Whether or not he would or wouldn't, that you know, we don't know what version of Sebastian Vettel is right. this multi twenty one Sebastian Vettel. I mean, is this you know clearly driver number one Sebastian Vettel? It, it's somewhere in the middle at the moment. He gets told. I think RaceFans.net says that Vettel is told over the course of these laps and uh, later to let Charles by. I think five times. Okay, um, and he's either ignores them or says you need to tell him to close up okay like, get, get be faster and i think this is a similar thing that happened with hamilton and rosberg at one yeah. point. like he, he needs to get closer yeah um so and then you just run a little faster it's like your little brother or yeah you know what i mean like yeah. catch up keep and then, away yeah uh so yeah i think it's i think this is i think this is a driver being a driver yeah i don't think this is anything but you know that i want in his um but uh let's see i got some notes here from lap seven 
Botoskis by Signs into fourth place. Signs had a monster start. Yeah, he challenged Hamilton into the into the yeah. turn two, uh, and was a car length ahead. But Hamilton only kept it by the virtue of the fact that he was on the inside. I feel like there's been a couple of times this year where I've where I've poked my head up and been like. What are you doing there, Signs? Yeah, or or Norris. Or Norris, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing to see how, how much that we you know, how much that car has improved in, in a relatively short period of time. Uh Verstappen also making his way up the field, he passes Perez. Um that's another one. Perez. Perez. I thought it was I, I personally switched to Perez. Perez yeah. Because that's I think how you would say it. Like uh, in Latin America. In Latin America. Right. But I then learned there's an accent over the first E. So it oh, is right. Perez. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, the the fun of run, running a Formula One podcast. Don't have that, don't have that problem with Drew. Nope. It's easy. Actually. Do people get it wrong? Uh, it's really difficult for non-English speakers. Oh, because it's a it's a very... The it's, R is... First of all, twice. there are not a lot of just sounds in oh, yeah. most other languages. Because it's a it's And a then the, you D. follow it with an R. R, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, someone in Japan called me Deryu. Oh, that's... Which I loved. That's amazing. Yeah. You should go by that. Okay, I'm going to call you that from now on. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, for stabbing up by Perez at uh, turn three slash four, the big old half circle, <laughs> yeah. uh, into seventh place on lap eight. Uh, but Vettel keeps pulling away, and we get more messages saying, Charles, we will do the swap a, a bit later on. Yeah. Lewis is a bit close, and we want to push now, so just focus on your race. Thank you. Like, all things notwithstanding, and like not taking into account the mentality of Sebastian Vettel, I don't think they were wrong. Like, I do think that the gap was what was... I'm with you. Yeah, I, I, like, you know, if if we don't think that Vettel's a hothead and would might game this, if it was any other driver, I still think it was probably the right call. Yeah, especially and, when you have a pit stop coming up. Especially when you have a pit stop coming up, especially when you have... That, that's a positive way of, of making that change happen, manufacturing it yourself. But also, this is one of those tracks that safety cars, if somebody goes out, there's a very good chance of safety car because of the street, uh, street sort of uh, circuit nature of it. So there's a lot of race to go yet. So yeah. I kind of understand it. Le- Leclerc is, is he's, I think he's, he's being the squeaky wheel here, yeah. which I think he has a right to do. Um, he says, I completely understand. The only thing is that I respected. I gave you the slipstream, no rep- no problems. And then I tried to push at the beginning of the race, but I overheated the tires. But anyway, it's no problems. And so he's saying like, I'm doing what you asked. Yeah. Just make sure that you stay good on what we talked about. And he does feel like he got screwed out in a more in a recent race. Like yeah, he did. He was second driver. So I feel yeah, like he's 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 doing his best. I think he's. I think he needs to, with Ferrari as well, he doesn't want... There are many drivers who have agitated Seb and then have disip, have gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he kind of... He's clever. He doesn't want to... I think he's politely asserting himself. Yes. But it's a difficult line to walk. Yeah, and especially I think when... he's doing a very good job. He, well, he's doing it... I think he did a good job in this race. I think in yes. past races, he's kind of come across as a little hot-headed and like... Right. You know, given out at the team... Uh, this is not the time we will discuss this later you know yeah. that kind of thing um i think i think he did all right in this race um towing the the, the party line uh lap 12 or stapping gets by norris from way back on the inside <laughs> yeah. for sixth place that was a good move uh hulkenberg by perez into eighth place on lap 15 um and at this oh, point <laughs> kubitz has gone back on mediums as well by now oh really yeah yeah <laughs> when they were like uh-oh we're losing a lot of time and they're probably not gonna make it so yeah change it up robert at this point, 
lap 16, Vettel is three and a half seconds ahead of Leclerc. And yes. Leclerc then is 2.9 seconds ahead of Hamilton. Um, so I think Leclerc is having some overheating issues. He can't mm. follow too closely to Vettel. So he's backed it up a little bit and then is told on this lap, you can push now. Mm. Uh, Pits start a lap later with Hulkenberg. Um, onto mediums yeah again most people in the top uh gosh probably like 15 or something started on softs with the exception of mercedes yeah uh verstappen gets by signs in fifth place on uh, lap 17 so still cruising through the field um albin reports something is wrong with the brakes i'm absolutely smashing the pedal oh really yeah i didn't hear that okay he was he was going to the floor i guess that's not what you want to hear no uh but uh (laughs) we didn't hear anything else from the rest of the race from him who had a crash because of a what looked like a brake failure in quali or practice somebody did a brake failure or there was some pro yeah am i imagining this well albin crashed in qualifying there is a suspected brake failure later in the race oh that's my what i'm thinking of okay um but uh, of so the my brain is just a mixture of F1 highlights and cardboard boxes right yeah. now. Sorry. <laughs> it's understandable. Uh, Leclerc is the first one of the top runners to pit. Yeah. So he pits despite being second on track to Sebastian Vettel. He pits first. Yes. Uh, 2.5. 2.5 seconds. Goes on to the medium tire. Rejoins in fourth place. Mm. Um, which, you know, it's very easy to think, oh, okay, this is Ferrari giving the place back right. uh, to Leclerc. They're undercutting Vettel. Uh, interestingly, he doesn't come in for a while. They leave Vettel out, yeah. uh, which I think only lends more credence to this theory yeah. because his tires are degrading. He's on the softs. Um, yeah, they leave him out for four more laps and he's complaining about his tires. Uh, but Ferrari keeps him out citing Hamilton as a reason. So after the race, Matteo Bonato, uh, the team principal for Ferrari, says the undercut was not for the reason of giving back the position to Charles. The undercut was because Charles stopped because his left rear was starting to be worn, so it was the right time to pit. We knew as well if we would have stopped both of our cars, then we would have been vulnerable on safety cars, giving the lead to Hamilton. So we stayed out as long as we could with Seb. What do you think of that? I, I can, The problem with... It's, it's, it's the reverse funnel problem, where you're looking at like the, the decisions that were made from the end point. They can come up with whatever strategy is digestible once the race is over because it can make sense yeah. but in the moment who knows if that's what they were thinking or not so this all of this race felt like you know you have those races like that multi-21 or like we had with 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 the two of them you know was it i can't remember if it was singapore or monza where we had the the problem where, where seb ended up getting ahead of was it singapore seb one yeah yeah okay so it was that one where you where there are those races where everything came to a head where teammates clashed, where one teammate felt like the engineers were on their side or not on their side, a team principal was on their side or not their side. And this race felt like it could have gone that way at any moment. There were so many times when, you know, either Seb's not going to listen or Leclerc's going to lose his rag or this strategy is not going to work or something. And as when the dust settled, because of kind of luck in a way or bad luck as it were, it didn't happen. But 
nothing about this made me feel any better about the sort of the thing we've commented on a couple of times i don't like ragging off ferrari or anything but when it does come to like driver communications and this type of like politicking i i think they call they create problems for themselves a lot yeah and this felt a little bit like that where like it felt like they were maybe telling one person one thing and telling another person another thing and then hoping everything were it's like the way irish people talk about like familial problems where no one actually talks about it they just kind of like <laughs> tell someone else about something and hopefully everyone just like it's fine. It's okay. Just don't talk about the bad thing. That's what this felt like a little bit. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm reading that wrong, but maybe that's what they were trying to do. I mean, his he did feel like his tires were were a bit wrecked, but also they were telling him to push, and he was like, for those la- well, for that it, last lap. I'm not sure. But know. they're hedging, right? They're, yes, they're they are even, hedging, which yeah. they also do a lot. Yeah, because I think they're 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 conservative in their strategy. They they are really they don't take a lot of gambles. They right. really just try to be as safe as possible and, and get those points and points come harder for ferrari so i understand that yeah whereas mercedes can be a bit more fast and loose because you know and i think 50 percent of the time it lands on heads ferrari is much quicker to uh um ignore the wishes of drivers right or right. like well don't worry we'll get you back on the next one like i don't think they do the thing with mercedes where like Oh, they yeah. alternate uh, races. Who gets the toe in qualifying? Right. Like I don't think Ferrari plays that stuff. I think they just they're out for the team. And they also have like two genuine, you know, title challengers. Yeah, which is always more difficult as well. And I feel like Mercedes. Maybe at the start of the year we could have looked at it like maybe they could have, but yeah. even the even the year Rosberg one didn't feel like there was like two world championships in that car, and, and until there was yeah. until the end. Um, but it's kind of a moot point. Danny it, that's the thing is that they got out of it I was like this whole thing was like charging up and then suddenly what happened like I don't know lap 28 Vettel says I've got no K which is the MGUK meaning MGUK not yes. special K he wasn't mm, no. eating a bowl of delicious cereal I've got no K <laughs> or cocaine or there's so many <laughs> ketamine there's so many ways you can <laughs> um, yeah the motor generator unit kinetic uh, his part of his hybrid power unit failed and he has to pull over the car. He was only, I think they said a hundred meters from the pit entrance. So, uh, yeah. But so they, um, let's see, I have this here. Somebody like, does the, the, did the Jack hit the off button or something? I was thinking like when, when he started pulling off, uh, I guess he said, I've got an okay before we saw him pull to the side. But usually when someone pulls to the side that fast after a pit, you think something's gone wrong with a, with a wheel going on. But I've, it's rare that you see that type of mechanical, like a issue with the... Yeah, so they said, I'm going to pull up uh, the exact quote here, but basically they were able to tell somehow from the pit that what was happening was a problem with the control electronics. And I think oh. it had... Uh, let's see, Bernardo says, we had a problem on the hybrid side of the power unit. We had a loss of insulation on the car. And for safety reasons, right. we could stop immediately. Uh, it's a shame because maybe 100 meters later we had a pit lane, but it was the safest action we could do for Seb, and obviously safety is first. So this is not only um, a safety concern for uh, for Vettel, the risk of electrocution. But the pit crew. Or a fire, but the but the marshals who have to touch the car and yeah. push it back in. Um, or, or, yeah, potentially the pit crew as well. So that's why they didn't um, pull around to the pit lane, but they had him stop on track, which had other considerations. Because where he stopped was a, a place with a lot of those barriers, which means that it is a potential um, spot for cars to go off. And when you have one of those, you need to 
uh, issue some kind of a safety car. So virtual safety car comes out. Yes. Also, we we do get uh, a, a choice piece of radio from Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Bring back the V12s, which like, I don't know. I think there's this road to, I, this, the, we love the hum of those cars, but there's this rose tinted remembering of the V12s like they were the most like, what's the word? Like consistent, like don't break down. Right, you know, what I mean, like, uh, which I, which I, I'm not quite sure the statistics would back up, but I think, um, but I get what he's saying. It's like an electrical problem with the cars, so it, that wouldn't have happened then. But yeah, yeah, uh, the, the around the internet, I think uh, F1 pundits were not having that. Yeah, uh, Hazel Southwell, yeah, a contributor her, for um, her mentions were a nightmare after that. Yeah, she said Vettel has literally never driven <laughs> yeah, in totally. V12, V12 era yeah. Formula One. <laughs> Uh, and, she, and she links to like the Wikipedia page uh, for 1989, where Nigel Mansell and Gerhard Berger mm. have like the string of retirements um, and disqualifications <laughs> in 1989. Uh, Lamborghini powered 288 Grand Prix entries with V12s, and of those, actually started 242 races, retired oh. from 109. Oh my god! They didn't start 46 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Chain bear also. <laughs> ah, I remember the good old days of big combustion engines that never ever failed. And then three pictures of uh, cars with exploding engines. And right. even race fans chimed in saying, oh, cool. uh, "Sebastian Vettel's wants wants to bring back the V12s." <laughs> but how many F1 drivers have won the world championship with V12 power? One. Wow. Ayrton Senna in 1991. Um, yeah, driving his McLaren uh, 3.5 liter V12. Beautiful. Look yeah, at that so gorgeous. I think he's just he's just angry. Which yeah. Understand. Also, like I feel like also Team Radio has become like Twitter, where like he's just making like a comment off the cuff, but now if you say anything anywhere of yeah. record, then a thousand people jump down your throat. So like, yeah, I feel yeah. I think he was just making a point about electric cars or whatever. But but yeah, uh, tons of people pit under the virtual safety car, including the, the Mercedeses. This could not be a better time for a VSC for like half the pack. I feel yeah. Like. Anyone um, who hasn't pitted at this stage basically is like, amen. Yeah. Amen. And because you're not going at top speed, the uh, you only lose, um, fi- I, I think it only takes 15 seconds. Right. Uh, or you only I, lose 15 seconds? Is I wrote like that down in once. 13, I think it is. It saves 13 seconds. Yeah. Um, if you pit under a virtual safety car because everybody's going slow. So Hamilton pits, um, rejoins in first place ahead of Leclerc. So he pits yes. from first, rejoins in first. Um goes on the soft tire botas as well he rejoins in third so it's hamilton on track in first then leclerc then botas mm. um also paul Deresta, who's commentating this race pointed out maybe they should close the pits under virtual safety car so this can't happen because what virtual safety car is supposed to do is neutralize the race right, right. just kind of stop it like freeze it this is what they do in indycar i think um at least they did yeah um so something to think about yeah, because it has incredible ramifications. For, like, I, I I think of it as a, uh, or I I'm coming at this question from like a safety perspective. Like, if the if the race director, I'm not saying the race director, like, should or does take the quality of the race into account when right. he calls out the virtual safety car, but if he didn't have to think of that at all, if it was just a, um. Uh, like you could have a VSC on a hair trigger and it wouldn't really do anything, right? right. It's kind of what Formula E does, right? Right. Uh, with their four, full course yellow. Uh, well, I guess they don't have any pits at all, so it's kind of a moot point there. But 
Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I can see it both ways. It's it's one of those like, it's it's another tactical element that when added with all of the other tactical elements creates a sort of a space where they have to, where where strategy has to be made up on the fly. And I think ultimately that's what makes Formula One so exciting to watch live. But it does feel like, I mean. Even when VSCs don't happen or when safety cars don't happen, they have like a gravity to them where people, like we were saying earlier with the, the Ferraris and the Gap, like people take it into account. So it's a possibility. In some tracks, it's a probability. We There are some tracks that have always had safety cars on them and there are some that have... I think Singapore is still batting a thousand. Right, yeah, totally, like, as it would. And this one is pretty common too because just the nature of the track. And... And so it's it's kind of like a cool specter that sort of like floats over the track. So I kind of like it. Um, I think there might. I don't know if there if that would bring up an issue in and of itself. If you weren't allowed pit under a safety car and you had your tires were shagged and then a safety car happened, would you have to do like whatever forty percent speed? You know, four or five of those laps maybe if there's something bad that's happened on tires that are. If there was no way right. to piss, then you'd be forced to be out on bad tires, right? Right. And that's obviously like absolute worst case scenario, but I yeah. wonder if that's like part of the problem where like they can't, they can't, you know, bring that in as a rule because it, it, it would actually create a safety concern. I imagine if there was a safety concern, they would just allow them to pit. Yeah. You know? but then, but then they, F1 hates those gray areas. Yeah, you're they right. They want everyone yeah. to know. And, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, under this virtual safety car, again, we're going 40% speed here, mm. but still not not crawling. Uh, George Russell... That's who it was. ...tries to make a turn uh, and does not. His car apparently just bottoms out. Right. And his tires then, thus, no longer work to turn, and uh, he noses into a wall. Yeah. Um, still unclear what happened. I don't think Merce- uh, Williams has said, um, but he, uh, he causes a safety car, full-on safety car, right. to come out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Leclerc decides to come in, right? So that one. So Leclerc pits here, but Botas is too close, right, for Leclerc to come out in second. So he comes out in third. So he cedes a place to Botas in exchange for uh, soft tires. Right. I don't think they're new softs. I think they've done a couple laps in quality. The quality. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. So the thinking, I guess, is that he with his these soft tires will be able to pass Botas and Hamilton on the restart instead of defending from Botas on old mediums and attacking yeah. Hamilton on old I, mediums? Yeah, so I think I think the issue is if they stayed on the mediums, they wouldn't get Hamilton. He'd probably maybe be able to defend against Valtteri, but by doing this, it gives him a chance to maybe get both places back. Right. On the restart, jump right. Botas immediately because your car is better. Yeah. And then chase down Hamilton and see what you can do. Uh, Kubica also retires under the safety car. Yeah. I, th- I think for a fear of the same thing happening. Um, oh, really? That's what that the commentators what okay. were saying. There was a couple of retirements that kind of happened. That kind of happened. Ricardo at one stage. Yeah, he got yeah, like twenty six. Couple laps in. Yeah. yeah, a while in. Um, yeah. Magnussen though really been benefited from this virtual safety car. He got up to sixth place. Right. Uh, this is also where Raikkonen's jack got stuck. Did you yeah, see? Yeah, that sucked. Did you see the poor Jack guy get like he like got quarterback sacked by the other by the other pit crew member? Did you see that? <laughs> well, he was the like, other guy came to to help, help, and then like they're pulling on the jack because it has fallen, and they're trying to just 
get it out from under the car, I think. Uh, and then another guy comes to help, and then they both pull on it, and they get they fly back and fall on yeah. their butts. I I was worried they were going to break the wing. Yeah, like it really tugged hard against. The, I mean, it's made of carbon fiber. I mean, it's strong at the connection, I'm sure, but like, yeah, he seemed to be fine in the end. But that guy looked like he got smashed. I mean, it wasn't as bad as that poor camera op that got hit in the back of the head with the tires oh, remember that yeah. four or five years ago Ooh. yikes yeah. but it was like he got walloped good thing he was wearing a helmet I guess yeah uh, we get the restart on lap 33 um, a few laps later Gasly dives down the inside of Kvyat and shoots off the track yeah uh, and thus ceding a place to Raikkonen who was behind him there was I think we missed it earlier there was a nice little overtake of Albon on Gasly which was uh, uh, a bit, of, bit personal there uh, as well but um, yeah uh, Alba made it stick it was quite nice and uh, Leclerc at this stage is kind of waiting for DRS it looks like to, to make the jump on Valtteri yeah um, lap 43 Albon gets my magazine into 6th place yeah uh, at the same place where Albon crashed in qualifying so yeah I think the race ended up being really good for his confidence I think, I think yeah he, I, I mean he, starting from the pit lane and yeah. um, uh, this is the last oh no uh, yeah there are more more, more moves from Albon to come <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> but, but before that Magnussen goes off the track defending against Perez and at this point on the track there are two um, signposts with arrows on them that you're supposed to weave through yes and there's two of them and Magnussen decided that he was unable to make the first one because of the angle that he was coming in he thought it was dangerous he was, yeah I thought yeah. it was and when you see it he kind of makes a point yeah because if he would have tried to juke to the left at that speed he may have lost control or maybe it, yeah. hit a wall or something um so he decides not to do that and only go through the, the second of those two um signs didn't matter didn't matter to the stewards they issue him a five second penalty and it, worth pointing out that there was a formula two crash here um the day before i think oh okay uh, I missed that. which um is why i think they were being real sticklers about it okay um one guy went through the um the signs and then another guy didn't connected with him oh and that pushed him into another driver who went, took a hard hit into the wall okay right um, yeah so i think that's why they're being uh, especially strict here magnuson and steiner of course not happy um drivers were told this according to racefans.net that any driver who fails to negotiate turn two by using the track and who passes completely to the left of the first orange curb element prior to the apex so these are the sausage curds curbs on the outside of this turn which mm. magnuson rolled over must rejoin the track by driving to the left of the white blocks and remaining to the left of the orange block in the runoff so magnuson says we've been told that if you miss both of the curbs you have to take both of the bollards I did one and a half curbs missed. Uh, so you could say it's a gray area and they had a choice and still they choose to give a penalty. I mean, I would say that. Yeah, I would too. But that's what I mean. Like these rules, F1 rules are very analog. They're weird. Or, or digital. They're very, you know, one or zero. Yeah. Um, last few things here. I have lap 48. Albon gets by signs into fifth place. Yeah. Uh, at the inside of turn five. So this is right after that big, long, the big, long half circle turn. Um, another good move yeah and so and at this stage it feels like Leclerc knows that he's not catching Hamilton and then so, it yeah, becomes like a fast slap fight again yeah he Leclerc tries to pass Botas uh, but keeps I, I think overheating again yeah. and has to back off a little bit try again back off a little yeah. bit and that happens until the end of the race and he, he just he just can't do it yeah I wonder um, what like what it was in the end because they were so fast their straight line speed was so much better than him 
like tire management again or he like- he defended the uh the second pit stop that they made uh, this from autosport.com saying the hope was that having fresh softs rather than chasing hamilton using mediums would make it easier to pass quote it Did was a opposite. tricky situation says leclerc what did it do the opposite, I wonder? Like, uh, yeah. They were getting to... Could be. Leclerc says, staying on the mediums that already had five or six laps compared to softs that were new uh, would have been a disadvantage. Mm. We made the right choice. We definitely had the pace to finish in front of Valtteri, uh, but it was quite tricky to follow. As soon as I was getting around one and a half seconds behind him, everything would overheat and it would be quite a difficult time. Yeah. Third was the best we could have done with the safety car. All right. Yeah. And that's how it ended. And that's how it ended. No Vladimir Putin. On the, uh, it's on the too podium. busy being subpoenaed or something. I don't know. It's... Yeah. Uh, but the race ends with Lewis Hamilton on top, Valtteri Bottas in second, and Charles Leclerc bringing up uh, the bronze trophy. Uh, did you? There was an interview with Bernie Eccleston. No, I did not watch it uh, before the race, where he said it's beyond the grid, was it? He no, it was. It was so. I hadn't watched this before, but it's there's a a pre-show that um shows up in the espn app oh okay. uh, that's part of the sky feed it's oh, not yeah. ted's notebook but it's like th- those kinds of features it's the package that they do it's, on sky yeah it's yeah, the yeah. package i it's used not to watch the, it when i lived in the uk okay. yeah it's not the whole like it's not the whole channel right but they do uh, a few vignettes i think it's yes. it's not on the grid this isn't the one of him and his mansion that they've played about 20 times is it they mm, repeat quite a lot of these no okay it's him i think at the race okay interviewing uh, but he he said that he wanted you know he always has these schemes to like mix up Formula One like the sprinkler idea. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, What's his latest? And he gets asked He's like about the Dick Dasterly of F one at this. Stage. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, a cursed Montebank. <laughs> but he he says he wanted to do away with the point system and give out medals. Okay, like what? gold, silver, and bronze, and whoever had the most golds at the end. One. that's just points bernie <laughs> that's like do you have to bring them to like a casino in switzerland and uh, place them on a table you put them on a weighing scales right and, and then we just the... do roulette yeah like i mean i get the pageantry of it sure yeah yeah but then like then we'd miss out on all these wonderful trophies these weird ass trophies that everyone right. has it's which not like is the, the best part it's not like that uh max verstappen in fourth <laughs> alexander Albon finishes in fifth Hell place yeah. coming from the pit lane amazing i'd be i like uh, him a lot i like him a lot i would be very surprised if they don't rehire him yeah. next year um yeah we'll talk about gasly in a bit carlos Sainz in sixth perez in seventh Norris in eighth, Magnuson in ninth, Hulkenberg uh, in tenth. Um, that is, I believe, after Magnuson's penalty has been applied. As McLaren's um, man, they're doing well. Uh, indeed. Lance Stroll just outside the points, followed by Kvyat, Raikkonen, Gasly, and Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, Hamilton also, uh, worth noting, he scored the fastest lap. Yes, he did. Uh, out of the race, Robert Kubica, George Russell, Sebastian Vettel, Daniel Ricciardo, and Roman Grosjean. Mm. Second last for Gasly. Yeah. Not a good day at the office. No. What happened to Giovinazzi? I guess he got tagged in that thing at the start. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure he yeah. fully recovered there. Yeah. Rough day for both of them. Yep. Fucking. What did Kimi get? A 10 second or a stop go? Uh, drive through. Drive through. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna get that for, for doing. The, that's why he should have just gone for it. Like, yeah, got it in first and then taken his strike. Should that be a tactic? <laughs> if the first light goes off, go. Yeah, you're starting in twentieth. <laughs> have someone crash, do like uh, a crash gate, and then they're all stuck behind a safety car. You do your drive through, and then you're still ahead. Yeah, done. <laughs> Maybe we'll see that next race. But that was Sochi. Um, speaking of McLaren's strong form, right? Yeah, they might get uh, even better in 2021 because, <laughs> or worse, <laughs> or worse. You never know. The three-year deal they have with Renault for yeah. their engines um, ends after 2020, and they have just announced that they will be using Mercedes engines right. for 2021 uh, onward. Uh, this will be a seven-season gap since McLaren used a Mercedes engine because mm. they used to use them. Right. Um, back when they were good. Back when they were good, yeah. Mercedes at the, uh, let's see, I have here, this is from Autosport. Um, the McLaren-Mercedes partnership operated exclusively until 2009 when Mercedes also supplied Braun GP and Force India and continued as a non-works arrangement from 2010 to 2014 when Mercedes took over Braun and turned it into its own works team. Right. Uh, but Williams runs a Mercedes engine. Yeah, and so does Racing Point. Right. So, like, this is this is the area that I feel like I am definitely the least... There are many areas of F1 that I am not qualified to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. But this is the one that I, that I feel like I, I rarely have, a, like, a strong hold on this. Like... The customer relationship? Or just why they... Like, it seems like they've dialed it in, finally. Like, they're doing really well this year. The car is good. It's, it's outperforming Renault. So, why would you shift to Mercedes when you're destroying Mercedes? I mean, works team, like I don't, I know that a lot of the Mercedes work on the new engine is happening, that they're, you know, they're they're sort of dialing back a bit on their current, on their current spec, but like, it just seems, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and there's a lot of other implications that this can potentially mean. Right. Um, there's a really good uh, Autosport Plus article, which okay. you have to be a subscriber to see. Um, I'll link it in the show notes anyway, but it, it kind of... Um, and there's a bunch of other Autosport articles you can read on this as well. Not just um, one article. You have to sign up and you get this one article. That's it. Uh, <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> um, but they, they sort of uh, contextualize um, historically what this all means. And, and basically, it seems like this deal is only happening because Ron Dennis isn't there. Okay. Uh, because he apparently, hmm. when they... Uh, stopped using Mercedes engines, it was because he claimed that McLaren wasn't getting the support they needed, that there was, quote, source code that they didn't have access to. Okay. Right? Um, Brown, Zach Brown, though, sees it differently. He says, uh, I'm very confident that Mercedes supplies every team equally. You can look at the telemetry. It's, it's clear that what is in Mercedes Grand Prix cars is the same in the Williams and the Racing Point cars. Um, so they're confident that if they get they you know this deal, that Mercedes is not going to give them like some bum <laughs> engine. Like I know they're doing well this year. They've got two drivers that everyone loves. Right. I do not trust Zach Brown's like guidance on this stuff as far as I can throw him. Like <laughs> I, I'm really sorry, Zach. But so apparently this was spearheaded by Andreas Seidel, who is the team principal at yes. McLaren. We talk about Zach Brown a lot, but he's the CEO. Yeah. Uh, Seidel is the team principal who's new this year for 2019. Mm, yeah. He was an F1 engineer at BMW, so he worked. Uh, with Williams and what is now Alfa Romeo. Um, and then he headed Porsche's LMP1 mm. team in the World Endurance Championship. 
So Brown says, I asked Andreas when he joined, what do we need to do to get back to the front? And he's quickly come back with the recommendations like the new wind tunnel, uh, and he led the decision here on the power unit. So apparently also there's a little bit of a difference in um, philosophy or, or ethos what they want to do between Renault and McLaren. So okay. apparently Renault wanted closer cooperation in areas such as non-listed parts and was willing to share a gearbox. Confident in its ability to go it alone, McLaren had no interest in such a route. Right. And yeah. with the 2021 changes making it much easier for like independent teams to thrive. Yeah. I think that's why McLaren doesn't necessarily need right. those sorts of uh, things from Renault. And that's why Williams has been, I guess, more comfortable with the Mercedes relationship because they're, they have such an ethos of not wanting to be a works team, of having that separation. Right. Where they can run all that stuff themselves. Also, I wonder... Am I right in thinking that they'd be closer together, like, proximity-wise? There's a lot of the Mercedes stuff out of England as well. I know they're a German team, but... Uh, yeah, think, I, have I, stuff? I think so. Yeah, like, yeah, I should, yeah. yeah. Um, so, theoretically, this is a risk for Mercedes. Right. Because, you know, McLaren could suddenly become great. Um, the risk for McLaren, because they might be able to get get the right aero package to get it to work with yeah, it or whatever. Right, or, as we saw, like, the, the Honda thing may not have all been Honda. No, yeah, may not have been. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think Mercedes knows that McLaren still has a big mountain to climb, and an influx of cash is never a bad thing. Mm. Uh, Wolf says there is, Total Wolf, the team principal of Mercedes, says there is one risk in this, that if McLaren does a good job, they will push hard and maybe benchmark us in a way to say, okay, that's the same power unit and you guys are not doing a good enough job. Uh, but where we are now, after seven years in the hybrid era, we are ready for that step. So they are... Right. Outwardly, at least, welcoming the competition. <laughs> However, I thought Toto always makes it sound like they've got their back up against the wall. It's like the, the Patriots <laughs> thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh man, we're scared of McLaren suddenly. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, some, this is also from Autosport, some have interpreted Mercedes adding a customer as the first step toward the withdrawal of its works team. But Wolf insists, okay. quote, yeah. the two are not linked. All right. Yeah. Uh, as it stands, we are keen in understanding how F1 goes forward, how it develops continuing preferably as a works team so here's the other thing mm. about those 2021 regulations if you level the playing field and restrict these big teams spending does it make sense for them to stay in the sport when they're not winning all the time right also mercedes just launched a formula e team mm. so, i mean yeah i like i understand why people are thinking like are their hearts not in it but also, yeah. they're crushing everyone. Why would you leave? Yeah, and like if we we I feel like we come back on this conversation a lot of times, and like none of this sport exists without people wanting to do it. It's such a ridiculous like waste in the end. But it's like the passion is there, and the fans are there, and there's a certain uh, you know um, prestige associated with it that like marketing can't like buy. I mean, this is a lot of this is marketing and it is buying it. Sure. <laughs> but I feel like for a team like Mercedes, Mercedes are like Ferrari to me, where they're like the, they need to be an F1 and they need to be fighting an F1. Um, yeah. So you, whenever anything like this happens, there's a lot of reading of the tea leaves to see if like, oh, but what are they doing here and here and here? Um, this might just be a simple way of getting a bit more cash. Yeah. Injection. Yeah. Could be. Uh, speaking of marketing, Toro Rosso. 
wants to change its name. Why? But then Drew can't do that. We've already taken away Camping World Truck from me, for goodness sake. <sighs> I know. Um, they apparently want to be called Alpha Tori. <laughs> Isn't that the name of the closest star? It's Alpha Centauri. Okay, close enough. <laughs> Sid Meier's Red Bull's <laughs> Alpha Tori. Wait, wait, wait. You're making this sound like it's like a a petulant like eight-year-old who like goes up to their parents and goes i want to be called stardust <laughs> like why uh yeah i i guess because um uh i'm annoyed that red bull has a fashion label and it's called alpha tori oh that's what the th- that's okay what this is. yeah i saw i saw people tweeting about this yeah um, they sell jackets that are a thousand euro i think really it's yeah it's very oh, expensive uh, rob zachney sent us a uh picture like a, of him in one of the no, jackets like one of their marketing videos it's like cool. uh, it looks like a perfume ad okay like it's that kind of weird it's like a like a hitman opening to a level or something or it's like just it's more like it feels very it's like we're part of the resistance we're fighting the man with our energy drink label it's oh bad. god it's not good Somebody, it's like I, the lady runs into the projection room where they're all looking at the dystopic thing and right. she like throws a can of red bull <laughs> <the screen. laughs> right and smashes big brother yeah yeah, yeah that's i don't know yeah um i've never gotten fine the, sure the, like there's like ferrari stores and lotus stores and stuff like like you get in like a you know in paris on a champs elysees there's like a you know ferrari store and people wear their ferrari jacket i've never gotten it i've never gotten the like desire to wear like a ferrari i got a pretty cool williams hat okay like that i like that like a cap i can get away with i've got caps for stuff but like or like if i'm at a if i'm at a racing event then sure i'd wear it there but like whenever it looked to me like somebody wearing a really expensive like man united jersey or something like when you're wearing it because you know those things cost a fortune as well like so i don't know i never got that that aspirational like i can't buy a ferrari but i'll have this jacket or wallet there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who got ferrari jackets i'm so sorry (laughs) um (laughs) I can't afford fire jackets. I live in the Bay Area. <laughs> the name change requires both the approval of the commercial rights holder, uh, which I guess is Liberty, and okay. a favorable vote of the F1 commission. Uh, there will, this will include an e-vote between teams, which is yet to be completed. So okay. uh, I don't know why anyone would object necessarily, unless you're Alfa Romeo. Yeah, yeah. Alfa Tori, Alfa Romeo. A, we can't just say the Alfa weird. Yeah. next year. I, I like Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso is like a clever name. Yeah. And it is what they are. They're like right. the B they're team. The Italian yes, Red Bull team. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, speaking Keep- of things there we might not like, uh, we might see some new qualifying tests yes. next year. Yes. They're thinking of changing up the qualifying format because that worked so well last time. God. Do you remember that? I had forgotten about that. I'd, I'd put that in Danny's recycling bin yeah, in his brain. I had to look up how it worked. I didn't how was it again? I think it was like a rolling knockout. <laughs> or it was like this giant block yeah. of 45 minutes yeah. and whoever was slowest at like increments would get knocked out. Yeah. God. And so you would have like 30 minutes of the top teams doing nothing. Or of anyone doing I remember that. Yeah, it was them. just, yeah. It was like waiting until track bad. temperature got up because then this is when we'll go. So, all right. Let me pitch this to you then. Okay. Because um, at the moment, according to Zach, uh, not Zach. Did um, Bernie X to come up with this? Ross Brown, Ross Braun on racefans.net. Uh, this quote is from, the FIA and ourselves at the moment, we've got unanimous team support. 
Okay. The drivers have expressed concerns. Yeah, I saw uh, Carlos Sainz giving it. And we've had our first discussion with them. Uh, they want to see the format fleshed out, which is fair because we've got the concept. We need to work out the details. So they're planning on like doing a couple of test runs of this next year. And they were half thinking about doing them on like, they were going to make them non-championship races or something. But oh, th- really? That's not going to happen now. But there was talk about... The problem being that there's so many races next year already, uh, yeah. but they were thinking okay. about doing test races, and then oh maybe these races won't be point championship races, but that's now. So now they're going to count, the and what they're going to do is, um, to have a sprint race. So instead okay. of qualifying, where it's like a time attack mode, right. you have a race that is a shorter distance. Okay. For that race, the grid is set in reverse championship position. Brilliant. Then you race. I'm on board already. And where you finish is where you start the real race. That's, I'm, Make sense? Yeah. So uh, so let's take an example. Sochi, they all line up with Hamilton at the back, Botas, Leclerc, yeah, from all the that back. way. Yeah. How many laps are you talking? 10, 15? Uh, probably something like that, yeah. And then, the, yeah, and the, the, uh, the Williams don't overtake is, very well. Williams is starting in the front row. Great. Yeah, and then we have a, like a 10, 15 lap race. And then whoever finishes or in the in that order yeah. is how the next race starts. I mean, we get we'll get if they did that, we will see Hamilton make more overtakes in one race than he's probably had to do all season. Yeah. And honestly, this like it sounds kind of silly and weird. And why would you do this? But um Braun points out uh I think what we often see is drivers can show us who's the fastest. What we want to see is who's the best racer. Yes. Where they have to overtake to achieve their grid positions. Yes. I'm, I don't know about doing this for real, like having this for an entire season, right. but I'm really curious to see what this looks like. This sounds like when you get, when you're playing the video game and you go into custom modes and you just do something really weird. Yeah. Like I'm, so what they, they would, this would be qualifying. So the day before, my main concern is that the cars might get bang jacked. Like, I wonder if they'll have to increase the amount of, like, parts or power units or something. Because, like, quality is a relatively safe... Uh, I feel like there are more incidents in practice than quality because they're messing with the car for the practice sessions. Whereas, like, quality, you rarely see incidents unless if something fails, right? So, like, but in a race, God. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm 100%. Are they, are they actually going to do this, like, a couple, yeah. a couple times next year? Well, uh, I think... It's the circuits they do it out are is going to make a massive difference because Monaco would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Kubica oh is going to well, if he's around next year, yeah, he won't be. He won't be. So yeah. uh, George Russell will be picking up wins, championship wins by by parking the bus in front of the, the whole grid. Right. Yeah. What would be a good track for this? I feel like what's a what's a high overtaking? Like do it out of Canada. That'd be cool. Or like Spa might be a decent one. Like goods with lots of overtaking areas in it. Monza might be pretty handy. We've we saw a lot of overtaking this year at Monza. You can um, also issue half points for the sprint race as well. That's a thing you could oh, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Some series do. That's really interesting because the mid pack is just going to be the mid pack. They're they're always going to be around each other. They're just going to be shuffled a little bit. Yeah. So but the between like between like eight and sixteen is gonna be all those folks. And eight like and they are they're like we've seen it this year like toe to toes Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton rubbing shoulders like those aren't gimmies in the middle there you know 
And and it's it, like you know who thrive in this is like somebody like Verstappen who like mm-hmm. this week again where did he end up finishing like he he was so far back uh, and then, he was fourth I think right so like he's overtaking drivers like that yeah I'm into this I'm into this Ricardo yeah God poor Daniel what a terrible year he's at Magnussen yeah I'm I'm kind of working myself up for everyone this. everyone stick away from <laughs> stay away from Roman. I don't know. I think I think Rojan could do well in this as well. Yeah. Who'd suffer? Who'd be the? I mean, obviously Hamilton would suffer by virtue of the fact that he, it will be more difficult. Like it's 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 not easy overtaking yeah, many and, cars. Yeah, and he takes it out of your tires. And, I mean, he, I think he would do just fine. But like, he hasn't had a lot of experience at the back of the grid, working his way through the field. You know, it, it's chaotic. Well, back back markers usually got blue flags helping. Right, but like <laughs> in the first lap, being in the back yeah, is tough. chaotic. We we saw it with. Uh, with Max a couple of times where mm-hmm. he had a little bit of trouble with those yeah he rear-ended somebody yeah, a two, races, twice right? this year he's had he hit Kimi on the inside at Spa was it yeah, and uh-huh. two years running and then he he had another one uh, the, the race after that um, so yeah it's it's a different type of race I mean I feel like Hamilton has the skill for it for sure I think like in terms of tire management and stuff like that is where he really excels and like getting the most out of his car and doing doing good quality laps but yeah I'd be super down for this this sounds like a lot of fun Speaking of a lot of fun, do we want to take it to uh, email? Uh, you know what? I need to do driver standings. Oh, yeah. Before we do that. Um, Lewis Hamilton still on top, of course. I think he is the only driver in the 300s. Yep, 322 points. Mm. Uh, Make sure that that'll be last place. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's like golf. Yeah. You don't want a high school. Par, exactly. Um, Valtteri Botas. <laughs> Uh, 249 points in second place. Uh, Charles Leclerc seals his third spot with uh, uh, 215 points. Um, Max Verstappen with 212. Sebastian Vettel fifth place with 194 mm. after not earning any points uh, from this race. Pierre Gasly is in sixth place uh, with 69 points. Carlos Sainz with 66. Alex Albon with 52 Norris has 35. Ricardo's got 34, who's tied with his teammate, Nico Hulkenberg. Mm. Uh, in 12th place, Danny Kvyat tied with Perez with 33 points. Perez. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen. See, this is the problem. Yeah. You take up valuable pod time. Um, <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen in 14th with 31 points. And we got Magnussen with 20. Stroll's got 19. Grosjean's got 8. Antonio Giovinazzi has 4 points. Bobby Kay with 1. And George Russell with 0. Poor George. Yeah. Tough way to go out. Uh, in the constructor standings, I say, as I wait for the Formula One. I think maybe Mercedes are on the top. I don't want to jump the gun here. They are. They have 571 points. Five points. Mercedes. How many medals is that, Drew? you <laughs> convert that to gold bars for me. Uh, Ferrari's got 409. Red Bull's got 311. Um, McLaren with 101. Renault's got 68. Scuderia Toro Rosso. It's way more fun to say than Alfatori. 55 points, racing point in seventh place with 52. Alfa Romeo has 35. Gina's on team, 28 points. And Williams still has one point. Uh, uh, who do you think somebody needs to make? What was it? Formula, Formula 1.5? Uh-huh. What was the other one? Formula 1.25? 1.25, I think. Yeah. Um, somebody needs to make the gold bar version for next year, like Formula <laughs> Bar or something. Um. I want to see just like lots of pictures of drivers with photoshopped uh, uh, gold bars uh, all over the place, please. That'd be great. 
we started doing something different uh, reading the Shift F1 Fantasy League standings. Okay. We're reading the top five from both the from this race and overall. Oh, that's good. I like that. That's that's nice. So we have a four-way tie for the Russian Grand Prix between wow. Let's Go for a Spin with Seb, <laughs> Nando Loris. Oh, that's good. Danny Avocado. That's a great And names. GWV. Uh, then in fourth place is First Try. Three is boah, To the Future Part 3. Nice. Uh, number two, Zartonk. Whoa. And um, number one, Nikki's McLaren's Werlauda. <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. Oh, that's good. You had to read it. I did. Yeah. To, for it to land. That's good. Yeah. All right. And then overall, we've got in fifth place, St. Giovese Racing Team. Number four, a newcomer, I think, Jacked Up Racing. Whoa. Number three, Dragon Ball GT. Number two overall is Boat the Future Art 3. <laughs> And then a number one, Rich Bolt F1 Energy Team paintwork pending. But it's close. <laughs> it's close, everyone. I haven't noticed the new liveries without the Rich Energy drink, um, Rich Energy branding on them. So I should check Yeah. I take that back. I'd, I'd buy a, a Lotus. I'd buy a jacket, like a Haas jacket with a with the, Rich Energy. Colors? Yeah. Would you want to give money to Rich Energy? No. But that ship has sailed. Did we give the money? No, we no. Didn't. Somebody sent Someone us. Someone sent it. I think, yeah. and I think he, I think he may have stolen it. Oh yeah, he did. That's great. <laughs> That's even better. Great. We committed a crime. Yeah, against it was, him. It fell off the back of a truck. Richard's story is going to come after us now. Uh, speaking of stories, <laughs> emails. Sure, emails are like stories that you can send to us via ones and zeros. That's shift f one podcast at gmail.com I'll say that again properly. Shift f one podcast at gmail.com Or of course, you can go to f one cool slash emails. Um, we got a lot of emails about multi twenty one. Did you guys talk about multi twenty one last week? We did. Yeah. Well, we were talking about engine modes, oh. and then I said something like, "Well, wasn't that wasn't multi twenty one an right. engine mode? It was. It was Sebastian Vettel in Singapore." engine modes multi-21 so it came up so we had a lot of people correcting us uh or correcting the the conversation that happened multi-21 was a which is when um uh, i was about to say danny ricardo mark weber uh was trying was there was team orders for him to overtake sebastian vettel multi-21 came through he was the second driver vettel was the first driver so multi-21 was team orders to basically say number two driver number one driver so it wasn't engine mode it was just like a an, an order so that's what i've heard yeah i've also heard that multi-map 21 oh is a mode was a mode on their engines to use less power <laughs> thus keeping them in their same positions so they weren't able to overtake each other right so this is from wikipedia uh-oh it was at this point red bull invoked team orders on web uh webble and Weber, <laughs> so vettel and weber they with- crashed into each other and became one person with the code MultiMap21, this mandated both drivers to alter the setting of their engine power modes to lower their performance and remain in first and second positions without challenging each other due to the team's fears that a battle, battle would degrade their tires. And there are three references, one to a book, Mark Weber's book, right. which I haven't read, a magazine, which I haven't read, and a link that is dead. So <laughs> I was unable to corroborate that well, would, angle of it. That would explain the multi-part anyway as well, which the other one doesn't. Right, because yeah. I think multi multi-map i think that refers to a multi-function wheel knob on the wheel right yeah you know like a multi-function display in yes. a fighter jet um, oh yeah that yeah you know you know like everyone that, knows something the regular people know everyone who has played digital combat simulator knows this <laughs> um but like i i don't have any sources right uh for, for either one of these so um 
Great. Well, you know, we got like 20 emails about it this week, so we'll keep them coming, I guess. Yeah. We'll probably I, f- I, I don't have <laughs> any skin in this game. Yeah. Uh, only that I, I would love to understand. So uh, we got yeah. Mark Weber on the. Who's got Who's got Weber's book? What is it called? Aussie Grit. Aussie Grit is called? I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. It's called Aussie Grit. Aussie Grit. Aussie Grit. That's not on an F1 car. This is an F1 car. Sorry. <clears throat> Apologies to all our friends down under. Uh, Drew, do you want to read this email from Atham, uh, I believe it is, or Ethan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm listening to your discussion on engine modes and can't help but chime in on Mist Apex, which is another competing Formula One. Oh, podcast. we must fight them or play them in Mario Kart. Uh, Matthew Carter, an ex-Lotus chief, touched on this subject. Apparently, the engine manufacturer has an engineer at each team they supply. Mercedes at Racing Point, Ferrari at Alpha, etc. Actually, See, we that's, saw this. And that's the problem. Someone just said Alpha. Couldn't say that next week. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Um, we saw uh, this in Drive to Survive. On um, the extended version of sky's coverage oh they did they walked over ted walked over um to mclaren and they had a Renault guy right two Renault guys with laptops uh, and he's like these are the Renault engine guys they make sure anyway that's cool um and uh when drivers switch to different engine modes these engineers have to approve it for example this year that could come up if ricardo is chasing norris and the Renault team don't want to lose in the constructors conspiracy theory but proves the point uh, point is, drivers can do whatever they want, but this engineer has to approve or disapprove the mode. We were talking about physically, can a driver change engine modes whenever they want? Right. And I and we said yes, um, but legally yeah. within the team, I guess, uh, thanks to Ethan, now we know that they have to uh, be approved or not approved. Disapproved, yeah, there you go. Uh, this next one's in from Alec. It's all about Renault. Uh, but we touched on some of this stuff earlier, but I thought this was an interesting read. Uh, while the news about McLaren leaving Renault and shifting to Mercedes as their engine partner for 2021, uh, a quick look at a few different statistics from 2019 demonstrates why this might be a really good idea and that Renault is really, really underperforming this year. Mm-hmm. Doing a quick count of podium finishes, meaning places in the top three, meaning that's medals that Bernie uh, Eccleston has, has given okay, to people. Okay, thank you. Yeah. He's, he bites each one of them beforehand so you know it's real gold uh, for this year Mercedes powered cars have 25 podium finishes Ferrari powered cars have 16 podium finishes and Honda powered cars have 7 uh, Renault powered cars have 0 podium finishes so far this year in contrast last year Renault powered cars had 13 finishes of course all of them scored by Red Bull yeah okay I know what you're saying there there's some <coughs> other considerations but very true right. yeah uh, measured along a different metric Mercedes powered cars have scored 6 fastest lap Honda and Ferrari have tied for 5th and Renault another big goose egg mm. a third metric Renault power cars in 2019 are also the most likely to have mechanical failures with a failure rate that is one and a half times uh, uh, Ferrari's twice as high as Honda's and three times as high as Mercedes notably Honda so far in 2019 had a failure rate that was roughly a quarter what it did last year wow that's that's we we noticed that but it's it's great to hear that yeah. uh, callback now we've had so many races in uh, one final Renault powered observation last year Danny Rick's uh, worst finish in a race he actually completed was 6th place and he averaged 4th again in races actually completed uh, this year his best place is 4th and his average is between ninth and 10th uh, both McLaren drivers have uh, better average finishing places again this is only counting races completed uh, than the Renault factory drivers uh, my question for you guys McLaren is the only team running a Renault engine other than the factory team uh, and they're apparently out the door in 2021 given their performance in 2019 do you think Renault will or can continue to fill a team in 2021 and beyond um it's interesting 
the the sort of I mean statistics you know you, we can you can get statistics to tell you anything you want sure at any stage but it is interesting uh, thank you for compiling them to sort of take a look at a bunch of different ways in which we're classifying the quality of these cars there's no getting around the fact that it's been a bad year um uh for for Renault themselves uh this year um they've had problems with speed they've had problems with um uh, retirements uh they've had bad luck as well like this race what are you going to do same as Grosjean right just gets tapped and then you're out um and he's not really been he's not really been fighting um but yeah what do you think about them as we have seen you know even with the Mercedes deal there's less and less people looking for Renault um uh, engines we have a pretty good document of the Red Bull Renault fallout yeah. um in the series as well uh, I wonder how important it is to them as a you know part owned government like that brings in money as well right or i wonder is it is it not something that they want to focus on that the, you know cyril and his team would prefer to focus on just getting you know a championship out of this this team yeah i mean it'll i guess enable them to focus more on the, the works team yeah. um but and and an influx of cash is never uh a bad thing for a formula one team but um i i my gut says that this probably doesn't change much for yeah. the Renault team. Um, maybe it'll make Cyril's job harder to convince the country of France to keep giving him money. <laughs> uh, he, he actually was just on Beyond the Grid. Oh yeah, I haven't um, had a chance to listen to it. Yet. It's a uh, it's a good it's a good listen. Yeah, I, I recommend it. He made his way up. He's kind of like made his way up through that organization, right? Yeah, I think he actually started doing like web design. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, that for is Renault right. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like my personal feeling is that like this would matter less to a team like Red Bull or sorry Renault. I feel like they have deeper pockets clearly, just given the size of the you know the the corporation itself. Whether yeah. or not their F one division does or doesn't, I I couldn't speak to it. But it does feel like this is less of an issue for them than it would be a, a Mercedes or a Honda or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it, this is why it makes me nervous about what we were talking about earlier with the McLaren mercedes thing because you watch that danny rick is really excited to be going to that team and getting that engine and i do get the feeling well i get the uh, certainly get the feeling that the plan for renault is this um uh, very measured i think a five-year plan of of building and that they're slightly behind but that they're still on track to they think that they're on track to be fighting for the front Mm. Uh, come 2021 so to not see that to fruition i think would be crazy yeah totally um <clears throat> they've also invested a lot in driver talent uh yeah the, spent the a lot field. of money on ricardo yeah and the um the Renault driver academy is deep right yeah uh and very talented they've got a lot of good drivers uh, in that program too so um yeah i don't think we're at any risk of seeing Renault mm. uh, leave before that uh but that's emails that's emails uh, we're also on Twitter. You can follow us at Shift of One Podcast uh, for any weird stuff we come across. Um, racing wise, we got some messages here. One from IndyCar Greg. We were I was lamenting uh, the last episode of the one before that there's no easy way to watch IndyCar races, uh, like, right? Like you can on demand. Yeah, like MotoGP or something. Um, right, and uh, yeah, Greg says you may have already been told about this, but we got ours this year. It's on a postseason sale. This is the NBC Sports Gold IndyCar Pass. Oh, uh, it is on sale now for nine ninety nine because the season is over. Huh? Uh, it was fifty four ninety nine. Okay. 
Um, so that's that's a deal. And that gets you access to on-demand, all the races? Yeah, so it says, um, look up the exact lingo here, relive the entire 2019 IndyCar season on demand. Unclear if you get the 2018 season. Mm. Uh, On demand with full races, practices, qualifying, and more, including exclusive coverage from the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I asked Greg, what do they mean by full races? Do they snip out the commercial breaks, or when they go to commercial, do you still see the race feed? Greg responded uh, an hour ago saying, right now it's a title screen, but from what I understand, it's being worked on for next year. What I really love about it during practice or qualifying, whenever they go to commercial, they usually have a guest commentator, a former driver, mechanic, or someone behind the scenes. Hmm. So 10 bucks. Yeah. If you want to check that out, it's a NBC sports gold IndyCar car pass. Yeah. Maybe something for the off season. Could be. Yeah. I'll put I, a link I catched up with some MotoGP stuff last month. It's good. Season. Fun season. Oh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun ending of races. Oh, yeah. Um, also, let's see. At Jack of Heart sent us this article, uh, which is less fun. Um, but he says, uh, uh, here's an article that has Verstappen casually mentioning his dad emotionally abusing him. Oh, boy. So we've mentioned kind of offhandedly in the past that Joss Verstappen's yeah. a real hard real hard pusher yeah um and verstappen uh in this article from the telegraph says i didn't have any surprises coming into formula one because nobody could be as hard on me as my dad was um verstappen added before casting his mind back to a karting race in southern italy when he was aged 15 i should have easily won on the first lap somebody overtook me and i wanted to get him back straight away i tried to pass him through a very fast corner he didn't see me and we crashed my dad put so much effort into that weekend and i threw it away He was very angry and didn't talk to me. On the way home, within about five miles, he said something and I argued with him. Uh, I argued with him. So he pulled over to a fuel station and told me to get out. He just kicked me out of the van and told me to make my own way home. He drove off. I called my mom, who had been at the race, to come and collect me. For a week, my dad didn't speak to me. (laughs) I think, first of all, this is (laughs) not how you should treat your kid. No. Um, But also, I think it's, important to remember uh that this is kind of that this is the environment that that he grew up in you know and i think it's sadly common i think among a lot of sports people or even entertainers um oh yeah when you're the the when when the yeah the parent is is pushing their kids towards something that they didn't achieve maybe but i mean just for stopping it was had a pretty you know long career in, in motorsport um it just he also had a be on the grid uh episode yeah recently. i didn't listen to that one either um it seems like i mean he says as much in the in the interview that you know this is now his kind of second chance or yeah. like he he doesn't care nearly as much about his formula one career or didn't as much as he cares, cares about, about maxes, maxes yeah. now so being a parent is like complex. I'm sure he loves him to bits. I'm sure he pushes, pushed him in. That also seems in, pretty in, clear. In a, in, a, in a way that maybe he felt was what he needed to do. But like, that's fucked up. Like, don't do that. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. I, I. You can understand why Max is the way he is, like totally. You just hope that he's doing it for himself and he's not doing it because he's trying to prove to his dad or he's trying to, or he just has like this winner he doesn't feel like he has like a a, like the rabid desire to win 
that I feel like you get with some drivers. Like, I think he's incredibly competitive, but I don't think he's... He has that, like, insane streak that some people have. Like, Schumacher, I feel like, was rabid to win. Senna. In a way. Senna, yes and no. Like, to a certain extent. He lost the the head when he didn't. And Verstappen definitely doesn't do that as well. So, yeah, I don't know. That's It's just horrible to hear that. But, like, I'm totally not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if and when Verstappen is in a top top team you know where he is doing championship stuff yeah and uh, how that might change and whether or not the relationship of like we saw with anthony hamilton with with lewis like at a certain point he yeah. just needed his dad not to be there they, they touch on that in the interview as well right yeah. uh and well it, yeah I'll, I'll link it uh, yeah people can go listen to that too. like he imagine like i remember lewis talking about doing that to his dad and how hard that was because you're basically like killing your dad's career like you're making your dad unemployed. Well, you're, yeah, because he was his manager, passion. right? Yeah, he was yeah. a manager since he was a kid, and like it sacrificed loads, <laughs> and like same as like a lot of athletes, right? And we day we had it with um, uh, uh, Esteban Ocon in the uh, Drive to Survive. Sure, talk, that whole his parents, right? Didn't come from money, that whole thing. So like, you know, there's it's uh yeah. You, I wonder like if he did swap team because like he's so embedded with Red or Bull or if as Red well. Bull became, you know. Competitive. Competitive yeah. with, yeah, Mercedes. Yeah. Interesting. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one here from uh, Fink, a.k.a. Son of Fink, uh, about um, a 1,000-kilometer endurance race for GT cars in Lithuania. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm putting this right before <laughs> race around the world for a very good reason. Is that point to point? Um, no, I don't think so because um, they refuel at local gas stations. Oh my god, that's so incredibly I will, dangerous. <laughs> I will definitely put this in the show notes as well because they're just it's like the gumball or something. But... It looks exactly like that because okay. these like super souped up hyper cars with numbers on them and stuff pulling up to a gas station can you imagine if they did that but in like new jersey or like oregon yeah. where like you're not legally allowed to refuel your <laughs> right. car ding, ding. yeah we have to like hey hey come on i'll tip you extra if you hurry it up well uh that's in lithuania danny do you want to take us around the rest i think it's of... probably time to race around the world oh we got some racing we got the world rally championship in wales comma united kingdom for the day insure Wales Rally GB. Insure the day. Uh, DTM. Oh. We saw DTM in Hockenheim Ring. In Where, where's that? It's in Baden-Württemberg. Oh. baden uh, You're such a Baden-Württemberg. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is uh, in, um, in Delaware. That's, that's where Dover is. Yeah. Oh, God. I used to live close to that. We're in Dover Delaware. Was, I was like 90, 80 miles from where I was. We're in Delaware for the Delaware Office of Highway Safety presents the Use Your Melon Drive Sober 200. That is a marketing team who helped make the, put that together. Yeah. So the, the they highway They really crammed it onto this logo. Drive here. your melon. What was it, melon? Use, Use your, your melon. Which is your brain, right? Yep. Okay. Drive sober. Use your melon. 200. I feel like the Use Your Melon was probably superfluous but also i bet i bet they spent like four million dollars on the campaign coming up for coming up with use your melon 
I bet you can't grow melons in Delaware. Uh, well, mm, go to the county fair and see. Yeah. I can't now. I moved. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, of course, you should uh, title your race <laughs> to not drink and drive, right? Yeah. You see those signs all over the place. Use your melon, Drew. Use, use your melon. Don't drink, drink Heineken. No, drink zero some melon zero. juice. The following weekend, the NASCAR truck series race is called the Sugarlands Shine 250. It's a distillery. I imagine they make moonshine. Oh my God, shine. Oh yeah. yeah. I thought like they're buffing at the car or something. Like, no, like shine. Sugarlands Shine. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a weird thing to me to have. Uh, there used to know. be, a, there, was a, there was a tournament in the UK in football called the Carlsberg Cup for a while. But I guess that's not moonshine. But you're not driving cars in that. That's a good point. Yeah. It's weird. Just getting in football fights. Right. Isn't it weird? It's a bit weird. Okay. But also, like, what are you doing at a race, Drew? <laughs> DTM. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Those ones are different. Uh, the B- World Endurance <laughs> Championship is at the Fuji Speedway in uh, Oyama. Is that the prefecture? Sunto district. Oh. Shizuoka prefecture. <laughs> What's Now I need to start asking you what the prefecture mascot is. For <laughs> That'd be so good. Uh, I'm, I'm now, I'm so in my calendar here where I've got this all written down, it shows the, uh, the address of the um, racetrack, which yeah. is how I determine the prefecture. Okay. And I, I usually have to go look it up. To see which one of these Japanese words is the prefecture? Yeah, it's really hard. I, because I tried I'm, it one week you were at, and I was like, I can't believe I make him do that every time. Right. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm learning now, though, uh, because Cho at the end, I think, is city. Okay. And then Gun is district. district okay. And then Ken, I think, is prefecture. Oh, cool. So this the address says Oyama Cho, Sunto Gun, Shizuoka Ken. Oh, that's cool. So a little... More on Japanese uh, addresses, which we I think we've touched on before in the in the past year. I think we're going there next. We're also we? Japan, F1? Japan, yeah, October twelfth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, Thailand, 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 at the Chang International Circuit, hosting MotoGP for the PTT Thailand Grand Prix. Sagat will be there. Yes, Tiger, and we got NASCAR. Oh my lord. Also at Dover. Dover. Why did I move? I could have gone to Dover, Delaware. You could have seen the Xfinity and the regular. Uh, this is uh, much more concise. We got the Drydeen 200. What's Drydeen? It's my darling. <laughs> my darling Drydeen. <laughs> Come over here, Drydeen. Uh, it's a lubricant. Oh, yeah. It is your company. Dar- it is your darling. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's the racing going on this weekend. That's we, it. Uh, yeah, we will be back uh, next episode for our pre-Japan show. Anything else, Danny? No. I might be back in my house for that. Cool. Or I might come back here. Probably won't because it's really difficult. We did that one time with Rob where it was like hard to Skype two of us in the same show. Well, now we've got two microphones going into the same audio interface. Oh, yeah, it's all fixed. So I think we would only need a splitter, a headphone splitter. It's, it's, it's only a 25-minute drive. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I Middle mean, of the day. Middle of the day. Let's try it in like, what is it, quarter past three now? Yeah. If I waited an hour, it might take well we'll figure something out we uh, if you'd like to support the show you can do so again at patreon.com slash shift f1 uh, have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week mm-hmm.